0: A faith crossing is an obedient response to the call of God upon your life. I just want to define it for you and define where we are so far. It is moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. It is a faith crossing because you are trusting God with the uncertainty of your journey. And one of the things we've learned from the book of Joshua, we can find that that same principle throughout the scripture is that faith crossings often result in the extraordinary activity of God. When you do what God wants you to do, something's going to happen on the other side of that that leads you to see God in a new way, that leads you or your church to an experience with God. And one of the principles, guiding principles that we've said, we've learned here from the book of Joshua, is that Jesus is Lord of every faith crossing. He is the captain of the armies of heaven, and like the armies of heaven follow him, we ought to follow him. Whatever he says, we ought to do it. But sometimes faith crossings do fail, and tonight we're going to look in the book of Joshua at one of those circumstances when their faith crossing failed. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you look at the Old Testament, especially when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and then when ultimately He leads them across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land, it should have been one constant forward advance. Victory on every hand. There was really nothing that could stop them. It's the same. The same is true for the church. But why is it some of our faith crossings fail? And we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, We we, uh, see Joshua and his people uh, fought the Battle of Jericho, the walls came tumbling down, and then came failure. And it was a devastating failure. We're going to discover this in the seventh chapter of the book of Joshua. Chapter 1 Chapter 7, verse 1 gives us the problem, but we're going to come back and look at it later. First, we're going to begin in verse 2 and read through verse 9. Chapter 7, verse 2 through verse 9. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. This is just a two-letter city, Ai. It was small. It was as small as its name, really. It was near beth east of Bethel, and he said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Don't let all the people go up. Only about two or three thousand men need to go up to Ai. Don't make all the people toil up there, for, for they are few. So about three thousand men from the people went up there. But they fled from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan only to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say, since Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear about it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? So there you have this humiliating failure that Joshua and the people experienced. And Joshua, not knowing what had happened, he didn't know verse 1. He didn't know that story. All he knew was that their faith crossing had suddenly failed. And it left Joshua questioning God's leadership, questioning why he ever crossed the Jordan in the first place, also questioning God's ability to take them forward. Now, you've experienced this. Look, everybody experiences failure in their faith crossing at one point or another, and the reason is because we experience failure in our Christian life. And when we experience failure... We often question God and his ability. We don't look at ourselves. We don't look sincerely at the reason we failed, but we try to question God and wonder what in the world God is doing, why in the world God brought us to this point, and and how will we go forward? So again, Joshua at this point is not fully aware of the problem, but God had warned them years before And this is a warning that ought to really stay with us uh, in our own journey with the Lord in the church, especially in Deuteronomy 23, 14, way back in the time of Moses. The Lord had said to them, since the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp, your camp must be holy and he must not see anything indecent among you lest he turn his face away from you. That's what God had said. He warned them, your camp is holy, God is there, treat God as holy. And therefore, now in the midst of the camp of Israel came something unholy, something that was not permitted, something that was under the ban. And so... uh, Prior to the battle against Jericho, they were warned not to touch anything. Way back in chapter 6, verse 18. Don't touch anything, but we'll look at verse 1, and uh, just chapter 7, verse 1. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, that's one guy, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah... Took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. The story of Achan's sin and the impact it had on God's people unfolds here in the seventh chapter. So, knowing this now is why this had happened, the Lord then spoke to Joshua. We need to look at a little bit more scripture before we unfold this. Beginning to read in verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Well, he had fallen on his face before the Lord, but the whole nation had fallen on their face and the Lord unfolds it to Joshua. He tells Joshua, he says, Israel has sinned and they have transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. And they have taken some of the things under ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have put them among their own things. Therefore, this therefore is very important. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you any more unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. We'll stop reading right there. And so here's this man uh, among the children of Israel who had committed this sin. Please understand, it was just one man. And one of the things that we need to understand is that sin in the life of God's people will put a roadblock in any faith crossing. It just will. That, that was true in the Old Testament. Here in the history of God's people, that is still true today, understanding that sin is what put a roadblock in their faith crossing. Now, that can be my sin or your sin. The second thing we see is that faith crossings require the presence and power of God, and sin in the life of one person robs God's people of his presence and power. Now, you think about that. You you just... Think, think deeply about that. You know, you look at, sometimes we look at, at, at our church or, or maybe you look at your own family and you want to know why are things so complicated for us? Why aren't we able to succeed? Why, why do things turn out like they do? Why isn't God blessing? But have you ever investigated your own heart to see if there's anything in your heart that God does not want there. Remember what God said to to Joshua. He said, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. So I want you to think personally about what God might be saying to you and I need to think personally about what God might be saying to me and how something in my life or something in your life might be hindering what God wants to do in our church, hindering the purpose of God, putting the purpose of God and putting the people of God in jeopardy. So the Lord made this very clear to Joshua what they needed to do. Sin had crippled the people of God. Sin caused God to turn his face away and God warned them. He said, I'll not be with you. I'll not go out with your armies and you'll not succeed. So The third thing that we want to say about this passage of scripture in chapter 7 is that sin not only puts your faith crossing in jeopardy, sin puts your family in jeopardy. Now, this one man, his name was Achan, just one guy. It's all it was. It wasn't that all these people had committed some kind of conspiracy and rebelled against God. There was just this one guy who had been unfaithful to God. One man in the army who had done something wrong. One man who had taken something from the city of Jericho uh, that he wasn't supposed to take. One man who took that home. And and the Bible says that, and we'll read the scripture in just a minute because we're going to see that God, uh, as, as the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. His sin found him out and he found himself confessing in front of the whole people of God, what he had done. And it brought great harm to the people of God. Do you realize that the whole time uh, they were in the wilderness, that no one died from a circumstance where they were walking in the way in which God led them? Now, there was a time when a whole generation died in the wilderness, but never in any of the battles that they fought. Did anybody die? Not in the battle of Jericho. Did anybody die? But they lost 36 men in this little bitty place called Ai. 36 men that they shouldn't have lost. And it was tragic. It was was a tremendous failure. It could have been blamed on Joshua. Was it some kind of strategic failure? Did he, as the commander, uh, as the military leader, make some kind of mistake in his planning? Was there some kind of flaw in the battle plan? But that's not what it was at all. In fact, it turns out that the whole problem was that this one man had sinned and so the next time they went into battle, the next time they, they attempted a faith crossing, they utterly failed. One of the things that we need to realize is this, Achan's sin cost him personally but it brought great harm into his home. We'll read a little bit more about that. When daddy gives his heart over to sin, even secret sin, it puts the people of God in jeopardy. Not only that, uh, not only the people of God and the purpose of God, but also the most precious people in his life, his wife and his children. I've always understood as I read the Bible that God puts a hedge of protection around me and my family. And God puts a hedge of protection around you and your family. And I'm talking to those of you who are men or who will be one day. You'll be a man one day and you'll be responsible. Michael, I'll just use you. You'll be responsible one day for your family and you'll be responsible for protecting them and taking care of them, your wife and and your children. And so God will take care of you. You be faithful to God and God will take care of you and he will provide for you and he'll protect your family. But if you're disobedient to God, if you go away from the Lord and live in a way that he doesn't, God's hedge of protection will be removed. i look at it this way. Let's say uh, I go out the door of my house one night and I leave the door unlocked. My doors are locked, just like you lock your doors. We didn't used to, but we do now, to keep our family safe. If I leave that door open, I leave my family vulnerable to whatever might come through that door. God would never leave my family vulnerable, but I might. And so this is what happened as far as Achan goes. God had a hedge of protection. Achan went out that gate and left the gate open. He left some things into the he let some things into the life of the people of God. He, he let some things happen to the purpose of God that God would never have allowed and God would never have permitted, it was Achan's fault. Also, what happened to his family was Achan's fault. The judgment of God, the, the, the tragedy came upon his own family because Achan had sinned. So if faith crossing, if a faith crossing is to continue, the roadblock that has come into The life of the church or your life has to be removed for the faith crossing to continue. Verse 14, the Lord said to Joshua, in the morning you shall come near by your tribes and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families and the family which the Lord uh, takes shall come near by household and the household which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. Now, here's the Lord picking out people. I can just see. I, I can feel the sweat popping out on Achan's forehead. I, I can just see how he's feeling. He's getting antsy as this happens. And so verse 15, It shall be the one who is taken with the things under the band shall be burned with fire. He and all that belongs to him. Because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. God has a way of exposing sin. Have you ever noticed that? He'll expose it in my life and he'll expose it in your life. But the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said in Luke 8, 17, For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. In Psalm 90, verse 8, the Lord said, or David writes, he said, you have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. I've got a light at my house that I really like. I don't know what kind of light it is. It's one you charge uh, in the wall But when you take it outside, you pull the trigger on it like a gun. And I'm telling you what, the darkest corner of my yard from my back door, I can light up. If you're standing, Michael, I'm going to tell you, if you come to my backyard and stand in my backyard, I'm going to light you up with my light. I'll find you. And God has a light that he can shine into your life and expose your secret sins. We don't want our secret sins exposed, do we? They're serious matter with God. This was a secret sin in Achan's life. Nobody knew it. So verse 16, Joshua rose early in the morning, brought Israel near, nearby tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah near, and he took the family of the Zarahites, and he brought the family of the Zarahites near man by man, and Zabdi was taken. He brought his household near by man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you've done. I think that's so interesting. Here's this man who brought harm and hurt into the family of God. And, and, the, and Joshua said to him, give the Lord praise by owning up to your sin. You tell us what it is. You tell us what you've done. And Achan answered Joshua in verse 20, and he said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. And let me tell you what, I think as tragic as this story is, As tragic a thing as this man did, perhaps the greatest thing he did and the greatest blessing he has given us to this day is to stand before those people and own up to his sin. And he said, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight. I coveted them, I took them, and behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. We can go all the way back to the third chapter of Genesis with that and see the sin of Eve and Adam in the same way Seeing something they wanted, taking it, wanting it, taking it, and then trying to hide the fact that they did it. And it must have been painful for him to own it and say, Yes, I've sinned against the Lord. And of course, judgment came down upon Achan. We won't read the rest of those scriptures. But one of the things I want you to see in this passage of scripture, one verse I do want you to look at, we don't want to take too much time, that where this happened is in verse 26 of the 7th chapter of Joshua. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Of course, Achan was put to death. Not only was he put to death, but also his family. It was a terrible thing. It was a terrible judgment he brought upon his own family. He not only hurt the people of God, he hurt his own family by sin. Please understand that. That's all. This is one of the things that I tried to teach my children growing up, and if I could teach you children, I want you to listen to me, you, you teenagers especially. When you do something, you may say, I want to go out and do something. I want to have a wild party or do something and, and because it's my life and I want to live it however I want to live it. Let me tell you something. It's not just you because you also, when you do that, You hurt your family. You hurt your whole family. Everybody's involved. Not just one child's involved in that. Everybody is involved. Everybody gets hurt. You get hurt and your family gets hurt. Mom and dad, it's the same way and you know it's true. If there are things that we can do to bring hurt into our home, hurt into the lives of our children, hurt into the lives of our grandchildren, and so we need to be very, very careful how we live. But the name of the place where all this happened was because Achan troubled Israel. It was called the Valley of Achor. The valley, it means the valley of trouble. And so uh, one of the things that that would be a reminder to them of, uh, of sin and its consequences, Achor means trouble and so here is one of the last principles that I want to bring up to you tonight and that is when faith crossings fail when faith crossings fail in the life of God's people he may bring you into a valley of trouble and in the valley of trouble he will deal with you concerning your sin he will expose it He will bring such a weight of conviction into your life, a conviction that will be intensified by difficulty until you are willing to confess it and forsake it. In the book of Hosea, there's an interesting verse that speaks of this very valley. It's in Hosea 2.15. This is what God promised to the people of Hosea's day. He was going to bring their sinful hearts into the valley of Acor, the valley of trouble. And there in the valley of Acor, he would turn the valley of trouble into a door of hope. That's an interesting passage of scripture. Perhaps you've experienced something similar or seen someone who has experienced something similar. That they lived a sinful life. And the judgment of God or the consequences of their sin came tumbling into their life. Look, I had a man in my church in, in Hamilton. I'll give you his first name. His name was Larry. Larry had been unfaithful to his wife. I may have told you this story before, but it's worth hearing again. We were renovating our sanctuary at the time and having our worship services in the fellowship hall. We didn't know Larry had been unfaithful to his wife, but Larry's wife knew. Now, there were some people in the church who knew it. But Larry, in the fellowship hall of our church, at the end of one of our worship services, stood up and said to the church, I have been unfaithful to my wife. I have hurt my wife, and I have hurt my church. And I want to ask God to forgive me, I want to ask my wife to forgive me, and I want to ask my church to forgive me. I want to tell you that was a powerful moment in the life of that church. Brought him into the valley of trouble, but the valley of trouble became a door of hope because years later his wife and he seemed to have a good marriage. The Lord had healed the hurt in their home, and heal that hurt Uh, in our church. God can do remarkable things, but one of the things we have to do is when God shines that searchlight on our secret sin, then we need to own up to it and we need to confess it because we don't want to bring hurt to our church. We don't want to bring hurt to the family of God, the people of God, and certainly we don't want to bring hurt to our family.